Let me uh, thank the choir and the bell choir for sharing their talents with us this morning and blessing us in such a wonderful way. It's another uh, great gift we have as a congregation, very talented uh, people musically that are willing to share those gifts with us. And I thank Jeff for uh, organizing all that and and getting folks uh, comfortable with uh, being able to do that, giving them opportunities to do that. This morning, uh, our scripture comes from the 20th chapter of Exodus. And for some of you, as soon as I say the 20th chapter of Exodus, you will uh, perhaps recall and know that that 20th chapter is where we find the Ten Commandments. So this morning as I am reading uh, from the 20th chapter, and you will note that uh, I'll be reading verses 1 through 4, 7 through 9, and 12 through 20. But as I'm reading that, let me challenge you to uh, think about one or two things. In this... uh, Reading, the first thing that you need to note that is as important as each of these commandments uh, can be individually, the commandments were given uh, not so much to uh, develop individual piety or, or individual faith on the part of the Israelites who were receiving them. This, these commandments were given as a way for the Israelites to order their community. This is how we're we're going to organize ourselves. This is how we're going to live together. This is how we're going to be together. This is how we're going to relate to our world. So this morning we're not going to look at each commandment or uh, even uh, a few of the commandments individually. But we're going to look at, at what these mean and what it means to order your life as a community of faith based on godly principles. And ask ourselves, the second question you might want to think about, is what what does our country, how do we order our country, how is it ordered today? What are the things that we hold as to be of greatest value? What governs our life together? What values do we hold as sacred? What kinds of things do we pursue? Paul Tillich said this about uh, about God. That God, for the individual, is whatever that individual's ultimate concern is. What you devote most of your time, energy, and, and thought to. We order ourselves around the idea of power. And power certainly can be used in in very just and wise ways. But do we worship power? Do we worship money? We all know you've got to have money to transact business, to do things, to operate the church, to support other ministries. We know that. But does money become an object of worship? Family. 
We love our families. We value the relationships that we have within our lives together as family. If things are going wrong in the family, it usually upsets our entire life. Family is important. But does family become an object to worship? That's the kind of things, those are the kinds of things that we are challenged to think about when we look at the Ten Commandments given to a community, a people, as a way to order their lives together. So, listen to uh, these words. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water or under the water. And then moving to verse 7. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. On the seventh day, the Sabbath, you shall not do any work. That's the day of the Lord. Moving down to verse 12, or on to verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance. And Moses, uh, and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. The Ten Commandments. Now, another question we might ask and, and have, has been asked over the last uh, at least two decades and really uh, far beyond that, are the Ten Commandments still relevant? Are they of any value in terms of how we order our lives? Uh, Ted Turner, founder of CNN in the mid-90s, thought no. The Ten Commandments were obsolete. Uh, They needed to be changed. They needed to be updated. And and who better than Ted to update them? And so he offered uh, ten voluntary initiatives basically, uh, that revolved around the principle of the golden rule. Karen Armstrong, more recently, uh, has spoken, uh, particularly in the last couple years, about a charter for compassion, a way to order our lives 
and to care about each other. An updated version, if you will, of the Ten Commandments or a way to to order our lives. Something that she uh, believes all faith perspectives could could, uh, embrace and share. And that if we would just make appeal to the, the better angels of our nature, these, uh, this, this charter for compassion could make all the difference literally in the world. Are the Ten Commandments still relevant to the way that we order our lives? The way the commandments are broken down, the first three deal with our relationship with God. Where do we find our priorities in life? What is our priority? What do we believe governs our action? Is God, you know, a a convenient kind of good friend that we pull off the shelf? We've got the God shelf. And anytime there's a problem, crisis, something happens, uh, we just, we pull God off the shelf and ask God to help us. And certainly, to, you know, pulling God off the shelf uh, in any time of our life is better than just leaving him up there and ignoring him. But that's not quite, I'll have no other gods before me. It's not quite there. That's not quite, I'll worship the Lord God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. Pulling God off the shelf when it's convenient is not quite getting there. It's not quite having no other gods before the Lord. The, the, the last uh, six commandments and the fourth commandment concerns the Sabbath, resting, acknowledging God. The last six commandments are about relationships, about how we order our lives together, about how we treat each other. We don't want to steal from each other. We want to be honest with each other. We want to be faithful to the commitments that we make. So that we enter into a, to marriage, we want to be faithful to the commitment, to the vows that we, we have spoken. We don't commit adultery. We don't betray the person to whom we have made promises, to whom we have committed. We don't uh, seek harm to harm somebody else. To murder, to kill. Jesus expanded on on all these commandments, or most of them, when he gave the Sermon on the Mount. And so, for things like, you shall not murder, Jesus said, you know, that's good. Uh, Certainly, we don't want to murder anybody. But here's the deal. If you hate somebody enough, that you don't want to have anything to do with them, that you don't care if they exist or not, that you wish they would just go away, that you wish they just would not even be on your radar, out of your life. If you hate them for whatever the reason is, that's the same as killing them. Ordering our lives 
around that which God has, has given us. Ordering our, our country. What values do we embrace as a country? How, how do we respond to other people when they're in trouble? What informs our decision to, to run and help, to go and help, even if we have the resources to do that? How do we make those decisions? On what basis? Our best interest? That's a little short of I'll love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my thought, and, as Jesus said, the second commandment is like unto it, and my neighbor as myself. That's a little different, saying I'll do this if it's in my self-interest, if it's my best interest. You know, take it a step further. Uh, if Jesus said, you know, I did, my, I did what I was supposed to do. I came and preached. I, I've, I've alerted everybody to the, the, the fact that the kingdom of, of God is near. But this dying on the cross thing, that's a little much. I don't really want to do that. So you're on your own. I gave you all the information you need. I'm out of here. That was in Jesus' self-interest, or would have been. But he didn't act in his self-interest. He acted in our interest, for our sakes. Because the love that God has for us revealed to us through Jesus, Jesus Christ. We all tend to uh, embrace the ideas of Ludwig uh, Fairbach, who was a philosopher in the 19th century, who who advance this idea that, that we tend to think that, that God, is, in the end, is a projection of our best humanness. That, that God is no better than, than the best we can be. That God is not holy and calls us to a holy standard, but that if we're pretty good people, uh, God's got to be just overjoyed uh, because we're so wonderful. God is overjoyed because we are God's children. But God calls us to be about far more than what we think is enough. The commandments really uh, point us in our expression in the Christian church to the idea of baptism. Whatever your, whatever ex- your experience of baptism is... Whether you were baptized as an infant, and the stories that you know and the commitment and the things that you know about baptism have come to you through your family, through your friends, through people who were there when you were baptized, who thought it was important that you be baptized. And they shared that moment. They maybe have told stories to you about that moment and how important that moment was. Or if you've been baptized in in a tradition that says, we're not going to baptize you until you're old enough to understand what you're doing. And so you have memory of your baptism. You were baptized uh, being old enough to understand. And if you understand what you were doing, and if you understand the meaning of baptism, you know that you have been called 
to walk in a new way of life, to order your life differently. Baptism is not, you know, it's a beginning, but it's not an end. It's, a, it's the beginning of a journey, a lifelong journey, in which you are constantly ordering your life and trying to establish your priorities based on your commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that you're struggling with that, that you take that seriously. It takes a lifetime to figure it out, more than a lifetime. But that's what God calls us to, to ask ourselves, on what basis, what, what, what kinds of things are we ordering our life on? What, what kind of things do we value? What kind of things do we count as important? When you get up tomorrow morning and your feet hit the floor, you know, are you going to say, your, your first prayer out, you know, out of your mouth is, Oh my God, help me, I have overslept. I'm not going to make it to work on time. Make sure all the lights are green when I get in the car and go. Oh my God, I have to go to work another day. Oh my God, I've got so much to do. How will I ever get it done? I said, oh my God, I'm going to live this day for you. I'm going to live this day hoping to be, hoping to be a blessing to someone else. I'm going to live this day as best as I can, doing the things that you've taught me, shown me, and called me to do in Jesus Christ. Oh my God, thank you for this day. It may just be that if you pray that prayer, You'll see smoke on the mountain. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for the way that you inform our lives through Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for the blessing of being able to live together in community, for the blessing of being able to point beyond our own self-interest to the, to the needs of others. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for your great love, your great mercy, your forgiveness, all these things that we experience through Christ Jesus. In his name, amen.